0: Uh, are there any um, countries that have uh, maybe you you think have indicated interest to get in this technology, maybe insider <laughs> information? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's if I have anything insider. I think everything mm-hmm. can be that's that's the nice thing about this map is if you want to verify any of it, you can.
0: Welcome to today's episode of the AfriNuke Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Jake Kinsa, um, an expert in the Energy for Growth Hub uh, from um, United States, um, uh, Washington, D.C. So today, he's going to be telling us about Advanced Nuclear Map. So Jake, uh, I got a reference um, to get in touch with you from Dr. Todd and um and when I was having the conversation with him, he felt it very important for us to discuss about your work in the organization. And um, thank God that um, you are here with us. So uh, please, can you tell us a bit about you and um, uh, what you do in Energy for Growth Hub?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, and thank you for having me on. I'm very uh, happy to be here. So my name is uh, Jake Kinser. I'm a policy analyst uh, for nuclear power at the Energy for Growth Hub. And I do work with uh, Todd Moss. Um so my work is fairly wide ranging at the Energy for Growth Hub but uh one of my bigger projects is uh besides nuclear power in general is the uh advanced nuclear uh markets map um where we try to sort of understand the uh market the potential market size for advanced nuclear technology around the
0: world. Okay so uh, I was wondering well what, what, what was like the line of thoughts like I know uh, Energy for Growth Hub tries to like adapt um, policies to developing the de- developing countries, and um, while some other organizations in the states try to like make policies for the, uh, its own country, so you guys try to adapt it to how it can be applicable to the uh, developed world. Am I right? Yeah, so um, I was wondering what was your line of thought uh, in um, trying to develop this advanced nuclear map. You you, you never had anything like the normal uh, nuclear. Like, okay, I know the categories of nuclear is a Gen three, Gen three plus, Gen four, and I want to think that advanced nuclear means maybe between Gen three and Gen four or Gen three plus to Gen four and stuffs like that. Maybe the SMRs falls into this category. I'm sure if we go th- into the details. Of the links to the uh, the advanced nuclear map, we can get details about the the nuclear technology captured in this map. So, uh, can you tell us what was the line of thought on trying to draw up this map in the first place? Because you know, and uh, when people want to draw a map, or if I want to go back to history, people try to maybe there was a dispute or maybe there was a, a misunderstanding, just to delineate and make a very clear distinction. People come up with maps. So. What was the case for this um, uh, advanced nuclear map, please? Uh,
1: Great. Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, not a dispute, but um, I think there is sort of a prevalent (laughs) um, misunderstanding, I will say, uh, that nuclear power is only for rich countries. Um, So when you think of nuclear power, you think, you know, France, uh, the United States, um, China built a lot of nuclear power. Uh, but historically that's actually not the case. And my colleague, Jessica Levering wrote a blog post and has done a lot of work on this that, Nuclear power is actually uh, prevalent in all countries across the world. So um, even at the time when they were first building their nuclear power plants, Pakistan, India, et cetera, uh, uh, Bangladesh today would be another example of um, a non-high income country building nuclear power plants. So what we really wanted to try to do is kind of um, show that actually nuclear power isn't just for wealthy developed countries. It's also for, um, uh, there's a great amount of interest all around the world, including Africa, um, South America, of course, and uh, East Asia and South Asia, especially. Um, and secondarily, we really wanted to um, show beyond this interest that there was a great need in these areas. So one of the stats that came out of this project is that uh, we uh, projected electric growth and electricity demand until through 2030 and 2050. Yeah. And we found that about 90% of all uh, demand growth is going to be outside of high income areas. Interesting. So, you know, places like, you know, Germany, France, the UK really actually aren't nearly as important as Indonesia, Nigeria, uh, Bangladesh. Okay. Yeah. Um, Oh,
0: go on. Yeah, so I was um, trying to see how you came up with those um, um, uh, little metrics that contributed. You were t- trying to talk about the energy demand um, uh, come 2030, and this rightly tallies, was it um, the UN goal you had in mind to um, make this 2030 or 2050? Was it the, the 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 picture you had in mind to make this um, projection? Why would you want to use the demand gap for 2030 or 2050 and not 2020? You know I mean, like there might or maybe right. 2025 or something like that or something else.
1: Right. So when we were making the map, it was uh, 2020. So there was something uh, that was just quite easy about having one decade and three decades. Um, of course, 2050 is quite an important date because that is um, the year that most countries around the world, I believe, are targeting as net zero. Um, And that's really one of the uh, uh, important things when it comes to nuclear power is that it is one of the many um, available truly clean energy solutions um, that has little to zero little to no emissions. Um, So there was a there was a good sort of parallel there with kind of trying to line up everything with 2050 and understanding kind of. You know the scale of the challenge in a lot of these countries, which is quite large.
0: Okay, so um, coming to the map, um, there are two indicators that you um, highlighted: that's the energy electricity demand gap in 2050 and the nuclear readiness score. Like, so why are these? Why was it just these two indicators? Like, what are the relevance of these two uh, metrics uh, in this map?
1: Um, Yeah. So the the question that we we're trying to answer is what is the potential market size for advanced nuclear technologies around the world? And to understand the size of a market, we have, it's sort of a twofold issue. One is how big is the possible demand? Um, So all of the potential electricity needs that will need to be met by 2050. Um, And we found that there was really quite large. So uh, between now and 2050, it will approximately double around the world um, in many places, it will grow much faster than that, especially in uh, many African nations. Um, the second part of the problem, though, is, you know, who is actually going to be prepared to adopt this technology? It doesn't really matter um, how big your needs are if you aren't ready for it. So we, the second part was we took we made a checklist. This is a very difficult <laughs> problem to try to figure out, you know, how ready a country is for nuclear power. But mm-hmm. we made a 10-point checklist that uh, we graded pretty much every country around the world that's over a million people on. And it had, uh, you know, sort of readiness indicators like does a country have a regulatory body? Do they have a policy authority in charge of nuclear power? Um, Do they have research reactors already? Um, Many countries already have those, which research reactors are very small, Reactors used mainly for medical or agricultural or uh, just research purposes, um, and then we also looked at you know what a gr- what what are the interests uh, do these countries have in nuclear power? So um, do countries have agreements with uh supplier countries like russia china korea even the united states um whether those are you know soft just technical assistance or hard which is an actual agreement to build a reactor or to supply a reactor um and uh so when we combine these things we got a pretty good sense um, of where we thought countries were on the scale and we made it a four point scale which is they're ready by 2030. So essentially they're ready now if they want to be. So this is every country that has a nuclear reactor or is currently constructing one um, or has an active tender to build one. And then there is the potentially ready by 2030 group. So uh, that's the light green on the map. I think of these as countries that have taken very substantive concrete steps towards building a reactor. So they have agreements with supplier countries they have policies stating that they want nuclear power um so in uh in africa these are countries like ghana kenya nigeria uh the sudan um and then last uh, the last two groups are just potentially ready by 2050 which are countries that have taken some very basic steps to get there and um, unlikely to be ready by 2050. So these are countries that have, are essentially have made no progress um, or have shown zero interest. Okay, so- um, So when you combine these two things, yeah, yeah. you get sort of a sense of how big is the market in a given country and how ready is it for nuclear power?
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm kind of in, a, in between two um, kind of, I'm battling between two ideologies right now because uh, I'm a little bit constrained to think that the US that developed this map um, energy for growth hub being in u.s although doing it for the developing countries uh, hopefully to lift the technology from u.s to other um, countries or climes uh, but most of these countries you listed are having agreements with non-us uh, i mean not with um, u.s countries like um, russia china and stuff like that so uh, i'm a little bit um, concerned like do you think that um, the aim of this map is going to be achieved for uh, the purpose it was designed or you are just making it a very liberal um, um, publication that will be available to any person that um, uh, or country that want to use it to advance their um, maybe uh, maybe goals uh, or mission as a country So, because uh, I'm sorry to say or maybe I'm a little bit ignorant uh, if not the UAE w- which adopted the technology from korea which is a little bit like a conduit from us i don't see any other country apart china where they were trying to build the ap1000 and right beside it the chinese people were also implementing their technology um using their own method of um, reverse engineering if i may say so i wonder like uh, uh what's your hope that um this map will um achieve beyond just um selling the u.s technologies uh to um, advanced um, countries and also maybe to african countries if they come to take it but uh, very few of african countries as i know uh, have signed agreements with uh, u.s state but they have some maybe uh, agreements in terms of um maybe research or technology transfer and stuff like that so can you a little bit enlighten me on um uh what's the what you you as um, a US guy or the country stands to gain from this if it becomes a success, will it actually um uh kind of um feedback or funnel back to you uh in reality? I, I wouldn't know if I'm right. getting it right.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, that's a great okay. question. Okay. So uh I, I think the thing to understand is that um These countries, if they decide that nuclear power is going to be part of the future energy mix and is important to their development goals, which several have, um, they will get this technology somehow. Um, Russia is very eager to export uh, nuclear power plants, they're very active in it. And um, the thing that Russia is able to do is. When they sell a nuclear power plant, they don't just sell the power plant. They also bring the financing. A lot of times it can come with other security deals. Um, And that's something that, uh, frankly, the U.S. is not currently able to compete with, or at least wasn't when we were looking at the map. So um, part of this is to just show worldwide, you know, there's a lot of demand here um, and there's a huge development need that uh, could hopefully be met. Um, The second thing is it's kind of, it, it was intended a little bit, Also for um, people in the United States to see, you know, this is a real market uh, that you are sort of missing out on right now. Um, So up until last year, for example, the U.S. Development Finance Corporation had a uh, prohibition on uh, funding any projects to do with nuclear power. Um, So that was actually one of the ideas we had when creating the map is being able to show people uh, that this is a really relevant policy field that they, that we need to be proactive in. Yeah. Um, one thing that, uh, and, and by the way, the, the prohibition did get lifted last year in July. Um, wow. So hopefully, you know, there will be some uh, uh, activity there. So the one thing that I think the the U S can really offer um, is we have a very active, uh, uh, advanced nuclear industry coming up with a lot of really promising new technologies. Mm-hmm. So things like NuScale, Oklo, et cetera, that have sort of smaller reactors. Yeah. Um, so like 60 megawatt scale are just much more um, appropriate for an emerging market context in a place like Ghana or Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's something where the US has really receded in this field over the past couple of decades. Um, and you know if these technologies live up to their promise i would i would love to see that turn around but cool. it's you know it's kind of it's up to us whether that happens or not so.
0: okay so um in this map you, you have like seven filters that you are judged to be uh, what you rightly used to um make people see the metrics that are important, um, as the case may be. So um, uh, there's this filter about the water stress in 2040. And on uh, what kind of, what was it pointing to? What's what's the aim that uh, water stress aims to achieve? Like, why do you have to include it among the filters? Why is it important for nuclear, advanced nuclear?
1: Yeah, that's actually, uh, so that we had the idea so this was the first iteration of the mapping the global market for advanced nuclear, um, and we are doing a second iteration with Third Way that I believe that they will release in uh, late twenty twenty one that it digs in a little bit deeper on these issues. Um, so water stress is thinking about uh, primarily um, the uh, desalination. Uh, energy needs, but also climate change impacts broadly. So uh, desalination is something that has already begun in a lot of countries. Uh, South Africa, I believe a year or so ago, had to set up a number of temporary desalination plants to meet water energy needs. And um, the thing about desalination is one, it's going to be needed more in the future. Uh, Populations are going to grow water supplies are going to become more stressed, especially in places like Southeast Asia and the Middle East. And the second thing is it is highly energy intensive and that's just pretty much the physics of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So you need a large consistent energy source in order to efficiently run a desalination plant, which in my opinion, uh, a nuclear power plant is actually really perfect for something like that. Uh, the second part of this, though, is just broadly adapting to the impacts of climate change requires a lot of energy. So, you know, producing enough concrete and steel for dams and uh, other adaptation uh, needs requires a ton of energy and yeah. kind of gauging what areas of the world are going to be impacted most, I think, can help visualize uh, what, where uh, we'll have the greatest needs.
0: Okay, so um, thank you for that insight. I was kind of wondering um, the nuclear security aspect seems to be. a very great metrics that you included and also part of the um, filters that you have there like um, the uh, nuclear threat initiative do have index that they release i think every year to show how um, countries are complying to nuclear security um, measures so i wonder like why did you have to include it as one of these um, uh, filters or one of the parameters you needed to uh, make this map um, like what we should consider in this map
1: Yeah, so uh, the reason we introduced this, so just to be clear, the NTI uh, index actually doesn't factor into our readiness checklist, but we did include it on the map itself as a filter, because one of the sort of greatest criticisms of the idea of exporting nuclear power, and one of the reasons that the United States has kind of gotten out of the business over the past couple decades is proliferation risk um both proliferation risk as well as just the risk of nuclear materials falling into the wrong hands yeah so we included this as a kind of way to say okay so if you want to look at these two um metrics from mti and just remove every country that scores low what does it look like then uh or if you want to remove if you want to look only at countries that score highly on supporting global efforts for instance Uh, What does it look like then? What's the market like? And we found that uh, in most cases, it's actually quite still robust. So Indonesia scored very highly, um, have a lot of needs and have a demonstrated interest in nuclear power, for example. So this was kind of our attempt to preempt some criticism of the entire idea of exporting nuclear power.
0: Cool. Okay. so um, the global market for nuclear power is going to rise, um, obviously, uh, following both the uh, demand and also um, increase in population and everything that's ties to that. So, but you are more uh, optimistic about the advanced nuclear than the traditional, maybe uh, large, maybe 1000 or bigger, um, already established technologies. But um, don't you have some concern that? um, um, since these technologies are not yet proven, I mean, like it's not been tested anywhere. Although you have labs in the U.S. where you get to test them, but uh, these countries where they uh, you want to sell them to, especially in Africa, um, don't you have concerns? They might have uh, uh, maybe um, uh, fears that these things have not been tested and maybe n- may not be more predisposed to get getting this technology. Like, what do you? Is there anything that you uh, is in place? to alleviate such fears if there are
1: yeah uh, absolutely um i mean that's a great point uh, ghana is not going to build a nuclear reactor uh that wasn't first built in the united states i just don't okay. think that that's going to happen um okay. they aren't going to want to i'm using ghana as an example but no country is going to want to be you know for lack of a better word a guinea pig right yeah um something which like is that. why i i Right, which is why I think, um, you know, the test demonstrations in the United States are so critical. So I believe uh, Natrium just announced one. Um, I believe Oklo and New Scale are also building uh, reactors in the United States first. uh, New Scale, I think, in Idaho. Um, and I think that's critical. I mean, you have to demonstrate that this technology functions safely uh, before you have any hope of exporting it. Um, and that's something that I, I think the United States should support companies in doing. And I think we do actually support for the for the most part. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely a good point. And, and to your broader point about like the traditional large light water reactors that are gigawatt or two or three or four in scale are already proven technologies. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of emerging market contexts, it kind of just doesn't really make sense. So if you take uh, the, the reactor that Egypt is building with Russia's help, um, it's 4.8 gigawatts. It will cost $30 billion, and it's probably a perfectly fine project. But if you try to move that and, and do it in like a context like Nigeria, Nigeria's installed capacity is something like twelve gigawatts. So yeah. integrating a five gigawatt reactor is just prohibitively difficult, um, just from like an infrastructure yeah, to, perspective. It, to, yeah, to from a that demand that perspective. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. It, it just would be so.
0: Transmissions and the distribution network we have to be overhauled. And yeah, I get your point.
1: Right, and, and and of course you don't just have demand pop out of nowhere instantly. So it will take even longer to pay it back, and. And financing the $30 billion project is just going to be more difficult yeah, in, uh, a- you know, in some countries. And that's just how, how it is. So if you have, you know, a project that's like in a small modular reactor that's 60 megawatts or 120 megawatts, it uh, can be financed for, you know, on the order of millions rather than billions. That's just, it's just a much easier project at that point.
0: That's cool. So, uh, are there any um, countries that have uh, maybe you you think have indicated interest to get in this technology? Maybe insider <laughs> information.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's if I have anything insider. I think everything mm-hmm. can be. That's that's the nice thing about this map is if you want to verify any of it, you can. Uh, you can go out and find the information. It's it's all very publicly available. R- um, but yeah, in in Africa, there's quite a bit of interest. I think so. There's two countries that we rate as green, South Africa, which of course, already has commercial nuclear. Uh, Egypt, which I just mentioned is building, it currently constructing a reactor, although it has now been delayed from 2026 to 2028 into 2030. But I believe that's mainly due to political concerns with Russia. Uh, But we rate a number of other countries as very interested. So I believe uh, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Sudan, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Um, especially Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, They Mm -hmm. all include nuclear power in their projections for their uh, future energy mix in the 2030s and appear to have every intention to build nuclear reactors. Now, I think none of them are in a particular rush, but they're engaging with IAEA, they're engaging with supplier countries. Um, And I think, you know, it's not at all unbelievable that in 2035, one of these countries could have built a uh, advanced nuclear power plant. Um, Of course, outside Africa, there is uh, Thailand, Indonesia, um, the Philippines, Vietnam, I, I, I find uh, are very interesting. Indonesia specifically has very interesting energy needs um, just due to its sort of island nation context uh, that SMRs could be particularly useful for and they seem to recognize that as well. Um, and, and, the, and the last thing uh, I think people should watch for um, is coal replacement. So nuclear power for a lot of reasons is a really ideal replacement for coal power um and two of the countries that i think are most interesting because you know it's 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 good uh firm power it's clean and in a lot of cases you could even just plug it directly into the uh grid where you have the coal power plants to begin with
0: and you know Um, south africa is very big on coal you know
1: absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean south africa is i think 86 percent coal or or something like that i mean very very high uh and they're having a lot of trouble with their new coal plants as well so places like poland And South Africa, that are relatively developed economies, could absolutely handle nuclear power plants and have a huge decarbonization need. Um, Even if they don't have huge new energy needs, they have uh, big needs for decarbonization, Um, and I think you could see a lot of coal replacement there. So, I believe uh, 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 those are places to watch as well.
0: It's cool. So. Thank you so much for this explanation because uh, some people might be looking for how to get really uh, these two um kind of indicators that you have um, highlighted some people might want to wonder like okay so what's the readiness of this country what's the energy demand and stuff like that but when you come to a country like um nigeria where i am uh, we we consider a lot of things and um it's not that there are no solutions available but um some um, pressing um our unique challenges tends to make those solutions unreachable or something kind of a a high reach um, um, kind of um, task. So I wonder, like, um, do you have any way of making some uh, country specific adaptation so that um, some really varied um, kind of factors can be kind of tinkered on to see how you can make it a little bit more contextual? um, contextually important to some specific like like a place like uh, Nigeria for example it's not that we've not had um, uh, good plans or stuff like that but you find some political changes and some um, maybe uh, things coming up to scuttle those um, really nice plans so I wonder like do you have any way of like mitigating because if companies that want to build these plants comes to the country they need to be sure that they have uh the uh, the enabling environment to get the reward from their investment. you know so is there any way that um, you kind of um, open the the gates making 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 it a bit open source to tinker on this value so that um, um, some contextual um, points can be filtered into it to actually give the rightful distinction, and also um, um, extending it to other countries or maybe uh, climes where they may have different um, opinions about um, uh, maybe policy implementation or things that affect policy implementation. I think um, it's, it's somehow important to include this into this um, metric, so I, I wonder if is there any room for that or it's something that is open for future, um, kind of improvement or stuff like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, the short answer is, uh, we didn't really do anything like that for this exercise. Uh, okay. we cover, I believe 148 countries. So doing a kind of, you know, country by country judgment call is, is not really in the cards for an exercise okay. like that. Okay. But, um, but it, I mean, it is a good point. It, the, the thing, I, I try to stay optimistic and hopeful. Okay. Uh, so my sort of thinking is, OK, is Nigeria maybe not ready for nuclear right this second? Maybe okay. not. Okay. It, could political things happen that changes the situation? Okay. Uh, absolutely. But I mean, we're talking about 2030 and 2050 even here. Uh, a lot changes in three decades. Um, so it's more of, you know, it's not so much what's the, you know, what is going to happen as what could happen, right? Okay. Uh, and Nigeria is making the right steps, um, you know, so every country is going to have its own political uh, political issues and specific uh, circumstances that's going to make it easier or harder. Um, uh, and, and of course, the one thing to know about this map is for any given country, we're not going to be exactly right. But we think as a broad picture... Uh, it's a pretty uh, reasonable representation of what the future could look like.
0: That's great. I I sincerely appreciate your explanation and I just want to uh, wind down a bit um, towards the conclusion of this um, discussion. You've really explained a lot about this map and I'm really um, very pleasantly impressed about um, what details you've considered to come up with this um, uh, really um, expository map on uh, the markets for advanced nuclear so but um there is one point i just want to like ask you like um what if um uh the the stuffs that you considered, like what are the like um the fallback do i say i don't know what are the fallback uh, mechanisms you have should those things that we are considered to developing this map do not hold any longer? Take, for example, now the, the new um drive by the UN or uh, uh, and organizations uh, uh, associated with it to including renewables and stuff like that, and they are really sounding very low key on when it comes to nuclear. So, I, I wonder, like, do you have any way of like convincing or buying a, buying kind of buying them into the idea? of including uh, nuclear or you just want to show them and then they will convince themselves uh, if it is appropriate or not?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, one thing to, the answer is that I'm, we're hoping to just show uh, that there is actually real interest in a real demand for this technology. But um, you know, the the approach that uh, we take and the Energy for Growth Hub takes and also I personally take is uh, we're very technology neutral. We don't really uh, let okay. ideology try to drive us towards a favorite technology. I mean, the the thing is this whole map is predicated on um, advanced nuclear technologies living up to their promise of being a you know a certain price and a certain functionality. And if they don't, then they don't. Uh, okay. And it, it, that's how it is. But um, if they do, and everyone should hope that they do because it could be, you know, very key in the fight against climate change and also very key in the development of countries uh then this is what we're looking at um so I, we're not saying anything like oh we should focus more on nuclear and less on solar or anything like that we should mm-hmm. focus on everything um to the greatest of our uh, ability um so you know if nuclear power advanced nuclear doesn't live up to its promise that's that's just how it is mm-hmm. um but we're just trying to point out you know don't Close any doors or write anything off because there really is a real need and a real demand here for this. All
0: right. So, uh, just the uh, second to the last point you know, uh, you've raised the point about finance uh, to bring in new nuclear builds, and that really kind of fails in terms of the established um, uh, large um, light water reactors. Uh, we have not really kind of deployed these new advanced nuclear builds like you um, listed or enumerated but they are being tested in Idaho and other labs or sites in the the US. Uh, I don't know because even the light water or larger reactors they never envisage the great cost overruns they were they are currently experiencing. I don't know if there is if it is right to ask in the first place, uh, if they consider the likelihood of cost overruns, because if you come tell me that, okay, hey, Give me 100 million and then I give you an advanced reactor in your in your backyard. And then when you have, I have given you the 100 million, you go, Oh, I'm sorry, uh, we did not consider this. Oh, we did not envisage this. Oh, I'm sorry, it is now 250 million, you know. So, um, and it, it doesn't sound any different from the already uh, established um, light water reactors that brings us with this kind of story. I wonder if there is anything that... Uh, maybe i'm not sure if you are I'm asking the right person but there's anything you have um, put in place to kind of forestall this kind of um, occurrence uh, in the future i wouldn't know if there is anything like yeah,
1: that yeah 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 so um i think that's a really good question a really common sort of uh objection when it comes to nuclear power the issue Uh, and I touched on a little bit earlier, the issue with nuclear power today, whether it's the plant in Georgia or that has experienced overruns or any of the numerous other large light water Mm -hmm. plants that have become delayed or experienced overruns, is that it's not really a nuclear technology thing. It's that building large infrastructure projects is very difficult. It's very expensive. They almost always go over budget. They almost always go over time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the solution is make them smaller. Uh, it's a lot harder for, you know, a 60 megawatt plant to go over budget versus a five gigawatt plant. Um, and the other thing is, uh, you know, if companies are able to begin what they you know hope to do, which is manufacture these things in uh, sort of a factory setting, it's not gonna be a matter of, okay, we're gonna experience cost overruns trying to build this brand new thing uh, out in the desert in Egypt. It's more of you know, okay, we already where these just come off the factory line, already built. There's just much less risk there, right? Yeah. Um, so hopefully that solves that problem. I mean, it might turn out that they end up being very expensive to do that way, and it just yeah. doesn't work. But uh, hopefully, ideally, that that financing uh, uh, aspect will be it will be solved with uh, these new tech
0: okay that's really um, great I, I sincerely like super appreciate the great time we've had to make this conversation I wonder if you have any um, very salient points you want people to actually um, uh, maybe have up their sleeves while looking at this map I'm going to put the link to the map in the episode notes so uh, is there any particular place you want people to be fixated on or to actually keep a watch on so that they will actually use it as um, maybe uh, a, a fulcrum to uh, navigate the the advanced nuclear space uh, as the map um, elucidates
1: yeah yeah so keep an eye on the uh, map itself uh hopefully we will get to do an update for it as well um but really what i think uh people should walk away with here is that uh you know a couple points the there's a huge amount of energy that will be demanded over the next 30 years Double the amount that we currently build, which is something like adding five United States worth of power. Number two is there's a lot of countries that are very interested in this. So I think something like 20 or more that do not currently have a nuclear power plant that either uh, that are ready and could be markets very soon. Um, So, you know, just keep an eye on Africa, South Asia, East Asia. Uh, that's where you're going to see these markets. This is where you're going to see the demand uh, and the desire for this technology.
0: Thank you so much, Jake Kinsa, for this insightful expose on the advanced nuclear markets map. And I hope that our listeners will be able to glean the um, red gem um, subsumed or uh, captured in this um, wonderful tool that um, uh, Energy for Growth Hub has given to the world in partnership with Todway. So I sincerely appreciate the time and I hope that we can um, have some time to talk again in the future
1: yeah of course thank you very much for having me on appreciate that thank you